That's the sound of the weekend, but also a new episode of Gamers Cafe, where I go through all the gaming news that's going on in the PC gaming industry. As always, I'm your host, Brett Deister, but let's get on with it. And, you know, let's, let's press play on this on this episode. But anyways, so Overwatch news. Here's the thing. Uh, Bastion got a buff that some people liked, some people didn't. I'm going to be honest with you, I played Overwatch. I don't like Bastion that much. It's one of the few characters I do not play. It doesn't mean anybody else can't play it. I just really did. I detest the character in general, flat out in general. However, with that, he did get a buff that in non-mobile mode or more turret mode, he got a little bit more of a, you know, reduced in damage by 35%, which could help, uh, you know, mitigate some Faras and even the, the, the pulse bomb from Tracer and other things to, you know, help, help him, uh, still stay in the battle and still, you know, press that <laughs> press that attack button. Just keep on pressing it. But anyways, uh, people were not really happy about it, said that he was becoming a little bit um, impossible to stop, etc., etc., etc. People were looking at types of articles written more by the pro scene saying that it's terrible and I can't believe it did that and you know, you know how it happens. Uh, but, well, I mean, yeah, it, it really didn't um, it didn't really deter them uh, too much. But they did say, "Look, we 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 hear you, and we've changed it." So his buff has been back down to twenty percent instead of thirty-five percent. So he should not be as beefy or weighty. But Bastion's always been a very divisive character in general in uh, Overwatch for quite a while. Uh, the, it's kind of died down because people have figured out how to play against him and also how to play him too, but also play against him, so eh, I don't really, I, to be honest with you, I don't really care anymore about Bastion not the game, but Bastion in general. He is a character, he's there, he's there for the long haul. Love him or hate him, he, he's, he's still there. You're, you're not going to get away from him. So, there is that. But, yeah, that's what it is. They also, Blizzard, announced, well, a new character. So we have a new character called uh, Orisa, uh, and she has some interesting things. She's almost like a Centurion robot. She has four legs. Uh, she comes with a fusion driver that's kind of basically like a chain gun, which is interesting as well. I haven't played it yet, but I've seen some gameplay videos. She seems a very interesting character. Um, kind of more of a buff slash offensive character in some ways. Uh, she also has some interesting uh, other uh, abilities like the uh, Graviton Charge which basically brings everybody together kind of pulls them together into one nice little uh, grouping to kill a lot better. She also has a Fortify which allows her to take more damage uh, and reduce the damage for her to actually you know, stay in the battle a little bit longer. She also has a Protective Barrier like it's, it's kind of a cross between uh, uh, what is it, Reinhardt? I don't know why I couldn't figure out his name. Reinhardt and uh, Sumatra's um, ability as well, except uh, Osiris 
uh, ability or barrier doesn't move. It also has 900 uh, armor as of right now. Will that change? Maybe, maybe not. It depends. Uh, but yeah, it's a protective barrier to help uh, well, to help protect people. Uh, but that should be interesting to see. I did see in a gameplay video where if you put it on the payload, it does move with the payload as well. Uh, but like I said, it's a, it's an interesting little like I said, an interesting character because she's not really a pure attack character. She's not a pure support character. She's kind of in the middle. Uh, her also her ultimate ability is kind of a, is a supercharger. It's a kind of like a totem or a little uh, little sphere, optical sphere that she places down, and it will give increased damage to everybody. Now it doesn't move, and it's a object to be placed down and once you are out of line of sight there it goes uh, it's also within a 25 meter radius and lasts for 15 seconds so if your team's really losing terribly this is a interesting offensive weapon to use or vice vice versa now if you could actually place it on the payload and have people moving at the same time that'd be another interesting strategy as well but she's still new she's still on the PTR so it should be interesting to see what that's going to do uh, for alts in general and if it's actually going to be a viable thing or if it's just not really going to care whatsoever. Um, will, will she be uh, kind of a overused character or even kind of like a OP character? Eh, probably not. Probably not too much. She seems like a middle range. Um, I did see gameplay video where her um, main weapon uh, spread was not very was still pretty uh, close in quarters long range and that might cause a problem or players might see that as a little bit of an unfair advantage and there probably should be a bigger spread uh, as the range go or the meters go up so from like short to medium range I could see the spread being very a tight cone but uh, longer range it should be a, a farther cone or less accurate in general because I think that that would help to keep balance. But beyond that, I think this is actually not a bad character. I think she's pretty she's pretty mid range and not not too bad. I mean, we'll, we'll see when it, it they're they're brought out in the wide range, in the wide open, not just the PTR, but the wide open. All right, right way back when decided to you know have a lawsuit against League Sharp. That uh, it, it was an interesting thing. It was a service to allow. Um, kind of a way for like tools and different types of things for League of Legends character, uh, players to use. There's also kind of a service fee for it. It's about $15 a month, $50 a month, depending on what you wanted. And League of Legends was like, hey, look, this is against our terms of services. Stop. Um, this is kind of breaking our game uh, for players to get money, and we don't like this. We don't like people selling and creating accounts um, that have... that." allow them to be artificially leveled so stop doing this now we're suing you so they won their lawsuit and they got ten thousand dollars not ten thousand ten million I don't know why I got ten thousand ten million dollars out of the settlement and got all the assets from it as well so it should be interesting to see what's gonna happen with it and where players are gonna go next for it because well let's be honest with you uh, you can't really use it anymore uh, they're ceasing shop actually they ceased shop February 28th so they've already ceased uh, it and the operations is gone. No more. It is completely no more. It's done. It's gone away. So, should be interesting to see what's going to go, what, where players are going to go, or if something else is going to pop, uh, pop up in its wake. Probably not, since a lawsuit was 
uh, one and pretty heavily uh, slammed on the other on the company in general. All right, so need to talk about it. But Ryzen came out this week, and well, I looked at the benchmarks. The benchmarks were pretty good in general. Um, well, no, let's be honest. Gamers like gamers in general do not just game on their PCs. They game and do a whole bunch of other things. So, as a general overlooking, overarching, over long picture about this. They're pretty good CPUs. They traded places with in, a lot of Intel CPUs for the most part, and the only uh, Intel CPU that really beat it across the board was the 10-core $1,700 chip. So that's a good thing. The good thing is that it traded places, and Intel didn't wipe the floor with it. Now, people have been like, but the gaming side of it was pretty bad. For the most part, yeah, but when I saw the frames per second, it was still above 60 frames per second, which to me seems... Fine. I mean, if you really want a hundred over a hundred frames per second on your games, fine. But you can still run a game with sixty frames per second, and still not find uh, a cause for worry. Is it kind of unfortunate? Well, yeah, it's unfortunate that it can't. It didn't actually beat it out that way. Uh, do I think these are chips that you should not buy? No, I think these are great chips for the price point that they are at, starting at five hundred dollars. The for the beefy one for the Ryzen line. They're great chips. They're great chips for content creators and for gamers in general that do, uh, well, they record their own gameplay. It's really good for that. Uh, so this whole hubbub and especially investors going, oh my gosh, this is so terrible. It's not terrible. They're great CPUs. They're better than FX chips by long run. And uh, these should be a really great contender against Intel for at least to bring down their own prices for their own chips because I feel like Intel has inflated a lot of their chips because they were the only really big name in town and Intel, I mean AMD was not giving them uh, great competition. Now they are so now they have to figure out a way to be competitive again and not make you spend a thousand dollars for an 8 core chip that you can get for 500 so at least for the, for the most part we should see the prices go down at least but we'll see what the gaming performance does if it does improve uh, then they're great chips if it doesn't improve well I mean buy Intel's for all that for it's your money I mean I'm just saying from my perspective these aren't bad chips I don't understand why people are all, all hubbub about it because this this and this some people are like oh it's gonna be down to fifteen dollars by the next two weeks which are, is a completely dumb uh, opinion in general they're not gonna go down in any side of the imagination they're well received they're actually pretty good for small businesses as well because of all the computing that they actually can do and a good really good price point so that's what I see also the 1700X is on sale for 380 uh, through uh, model price, which is through eBay. So if you're wanting to pick up not the most expensive one, but kind of the middle of the road, middle of the pack, this is the one to pick up as well. Also, somebody got uh, it, Intel, the Ryzen, not the Intel, AMD Ryzen 1800X to hit 5.2 gigahertz, uh, breaking the benchmarking records. So there's that as well, which is actually pretty interesting that they could actually break that because uh, AMD, when they launched, said we, uh, treble clock speed would be 4 gigahertz. They went 1.2 gigahertz above 
what AMD said. But um, I would say if you're going to do that, be careful. Be very careful about overclocking it that far uh, because there are potentials for it to, you know, to it to go wrong. Uh, so be very careful about overclocking it that far. But it is interesting to see that they overclocked it by that much. Now, NVIDIA also unveiled the GTX 1080 Ti. It's here. It's finally here, and it's priced much lower than the Titan X, which the Titan X was absurdly expensive. $1,200 is absurdly expensive. It is $700 instead with a whopping 11 gigs of GDDR5X RAM, um, which is really, really... That's, that's a lot. I've only seen games right now still hover around 4 to 5 gigs for your G, for your graphics cards in general. This is quite a bit for that. Um, now, do you really need that many gigs right now? No. Is it really absurdly priced? Yes. Do I hate NVIDIA? No. I actually like NVIDIA in general. I just think this is an absurd card for no apparent reason at all. Just to be like, hey look! We got it here. Now, um, is this going to do great on benchmarking? Is it going to be great for gaming? Yeah, of course. You'll, you'll be able to use this card for years. Uh, at least two. Probably more like five uh, in general. But like I said before, it's absurdly priced. It's, a, it's an absurd card. Um, people that are going to buy this are going to be really big enthusiasts that have money to spend. Uh, for the, the rest of us, I don't have that kind of money to spend. I would love it because it would be great for um, content creation because content creation does really does take uh, some some parts of GPU away from it as well. Uh, but do I think people need to buy this? No. In general, they don't really need to do that. I don't think... I, I just think it's, it's a super absurd way of doing this. I think NVIDIA just did this or made this uh, card to make it because they know that some people will actually buy it. Do I think a lot of people are going to buy this? Probably not because of the price point that it's at. Do I think it's a great card? I think it's a really great card, but I, I'm i concerned about the wattage. Well, the wattage is also concerned with about 220 watts uh, for this card as well, and that's another big concern right out of the gate, right out of the board. Um, I just, I, I would just wait for the 1080, the regular 1080 just to go down in price because it's just, it's it's whatever, uh, it's just, it's it's not really needed. I just don't understand why, uh, why, why you need to upgrade it, why you need to do this. I mean, it's just kind of like, oh look, it's really fast, so I'm gonna buy it. Uh, and it's just, it's just not needed. I mean, some of you are probably gonna be like, "Yes, I really need this," but you, you really don't. You could, you could get the 1080, you can get the uh, 980 Ti, you can get um, the 1070, the 1060, any one of those, you know, and you can get multiples of them and be really good for performance-wise. But me, that's kind of like my thing about it. You can disagree with me all you want, and I'm perfectly fine with that. All right, there is a new real-time strategy game which I'm quite surprised because not a lot there's not a lot of those actually come out nowadays which is kind of sad but uh, this one is called Steel Division Normandy 44 and it's supposed to be about realism in combat it's supposed to do about regiments and cards and 
actually care more about stress that soldiers go out go through towards uh, the game. So more stress, your soldiers will not be able to perform very well. If they're pinned down, they won't be able to move. Um, very interesting uh, way of playing in the game. I think I like this. There will also be uh, hedges, which are unpassable as well. Uh, cover system is going to be a big thing. Also, uh, uh, height will be a big uh, a big deal as well. They aren't going to actually be doing the rock, paper, scissors style of uh, the way RTSs are usually played. They're going to be doing a little bit different as well. But I like how it's division level focus and it's more of an our strategy game around realism and how uh, commanders deal with uh, properly preparing, well, each battle and not over saturating the battle or using too many troops that they don't need and leaving defenders well weakened or any other thing like that and understanding the pros and cons to each one of them. I think it's actually really, going to be a really interesting game. I'm really looking forward to it. I love strategy games. I miss strategy games. I remember the heydays when like Command & Conquer, uh, Warcraft, Starcraft, uh, all of them uh, were out and people were clamoring to do it. Dune was also a really good strategy game. Um, Company Heroes, but I mean, it's, it's a little bit newer, but I, I just miss seeing all those come out. Um, Supreme Commander was also a fun one to play. Total Annihilation, this uh, previous of that. Um, miss all those. I'm, I'm always heart sad when I don't see a lot, of a lot of them that come out. I mean, Homeworld was awesome. I love Homeworld Desert Karat. I think that was a great game. Uh, I just hope to see more of them and not less of them. Alright, now Battlefield 1 news. So there's an interesting... Um, talk that was going on with Battlefield 1 and there were some interesting tidbits about the sound design. So Battlefield or DICE has always been known as having great sound design. They do a really great job of it. But for their voice actors, they, well, it's almost as interesting slash almost dangerous in some ways. They did some snare block throws. They added weight to them to actually give the weight to their voices as well. Um, kind of interesting, kind of, um, well, kind of uh, just to be skeptical about that and giving putting that much stress on it, but it is a job, and so they're probably were in some ways happy to play a part in it, but that's also interesting. The also interesting thing is about their sound design, it was um, talking about Bad Company and all the other ones and how they wanted sound to uh, be able to be done really well, even on a crappy TV, as they said. Uh, and, or I said small crappy TV speakers, excuse me, because TV speakers during Battlefield Bad Company 1 was not very good. Um, so I do like that that's what they're going after. And then the evolution of that as well. So as Battlefield 3, they're analyzing it and saying, well, we used a lot of bass and we wanted to, you know, not use it as much and try to make it more as a um, kind of a currency of like use your base wisely. So I kind of like that way of it. I think their sound design has always been top notch, especially Battle Bad Company and beyond. And I kind of like to see how they like deal with it, how they progress with it. Um, because uh, I know in Bad, Bad Company 2, they're trying to figure out a way of like creating sound that you were like close to like an artillery shell, but not like making it really explode and have your eardrums bleed but kind of more of a, kind of like a muted ones once it's exploded next to you and having more muted and different types of ways of doing it. So I've always liked, that's very been a very interesting way of sound design and how they're progressing through it as well. And this is just another way of doing it with um, making sure 
um, sound design was just excellent. And when they were talking about sound design in Battlefield One, they were actually they had no like really war movies to deal with. I mean, there have been a few, but not very many for World War One. So what they did is they read letters, and that was our reference material. And I like that because letters kind of gave them um, kind of reference points to how each different artillery shell and all the other fun stuff. Um, from the soldier's point of view and their perspective on how they described it because that's the best way of doing it. This is this was a like really interesting to actually read to all that other fun stuff. Also, um, the new DLC they shall not pass is finally revealed on when it's coming out. So it's coming out the sixteenth uh, excuse me, the fourteenth of this month for premium pass holders only, and then two weeks later it's gonna come out for everybody else. So Everybody will be able to play it around that time. Uh, I think this will be a very interesting one because it's, it's the French are here, the French are coming, or the French are finally being able to be played in World War One because they actually took a major role in World War One, unlike World War Two, where they were completely utterly destroyed. Uh, so it should be interesting to see what, what's going to come with that. Also, with that, there's going to be some new things. So there's going to be the Saint uh, Command. Uh, assault tank, the Trench Raider Elite Class, the Siege Howitzer Stationary Weapon, and um, also two new operations map, uh, Devil's Anvil and Beyond the Marine, and new game modes, Front Lines, which actually looks interesting. It's a cross between Rush and Conquest with an interesting tug of war, so I'm going to be really happy and interesting to play that as well. Moving on to uh, System Shock. So System Shock is actually getting a remake using the Unreal 4 engine. And I played the demo a while ago, and it was actually really fun. I actually like it. And it was interesting to hear what they had to say about it and how they're progressing with it. Um, they said it should be available, I think, in 2018. So you still got a while to actually wait for this. But it's a classic as in general. And they said that they've had to like, redo a lot of different things. So like for the, the inventory system, uh, had to be completely remastered because back then there really wasn't a full-fledged way of actually doing it and so they had to figure out a new way of doing it in general so that's why it's been taking a little bit longer than normal but I'm happy to wait for it if it's going to be a really great remake now if it's a terrible remake that's, a, that's another thing but you can still download the demo that's still available on Steam and GOG if you really want to try it out a little bit I did, it was fun alright here's some interesting tidbit about Deus Ex so the main character is called J.C. Denton, and everybody was trying to. F there's always been conspiracies. It means Jesus Christ. It means something else. Well, one of the main guys, Warren Spector, uh, talked about it. He said, "Yes, J.C. actually stands for Jesus Christ." Now he, there was an interesting story about it. So he actually had someone that he knew with the last name Denton. It was called. His name was Bradley Denton, and uh, he writes books and everything. He said he was. He's a great guy, really helpful guy, but. Um, he would always, apparently there was a line that he would say to his friend that said, Jesus Christ, don't be so helpful. Uh, and so that kind of bred for J.C. Denton in general. And you actually get some kind of clues with this, with Jesus Christ, Denton is actually in the game. Sometimes when you do some actions that people don't like. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting. And also with Deus Ex Human Revolution, the name Adam Jensen is the theme. So they kept the theme alive because Adam was the first man through the Bible. Uh, you can dispute that, whatever you want, but as the Bible story says, Adam is the first man, or if he's human, I should say. 
Uh, so there's that as well. It's just kind of a little interesting uh, to you know hear that. Kind of like how they, how they worked it in. All right, so the Nintendo Switch is out. It's finally out, and it's gotten well. The Zelda game has gotten great reviews. Uh, the system I haven't really seen. I don't really care as much. Uh, but I want to talk about the controller. So there's a controller called the Nintendo Switch Pro controller, and it looks like it will work on your PC, which is also a really nice thing because it actually looks like a really nice controller, a really great controller. Um, it has some similarities between the other controllers too. It's got two uh, thumbsticks, uh, D-pad, and four uh, buttons, the X, Y, A, and B. Uh, so you have that as well, but it looks like the Nintendo Pro Controller is actually getting good reviews as well. So if you're looking for a different controller and does use Bluetooth connection, this is the one you might actually look at in general. Um, I'm all for it. I mean, I have nothing against Nintendo. It's just I never felt like Switch was really great. It didn't really seem, it didn't really appeal to me because I was like, oh, look, it's the Wii U 2.0. That's what I keep on calling it, the Wii U 2.0. We're moving on to Dark Souls. So Dark Souls... Um, when it first came out, um, well, it really wasn't, it was a port. It, it, let's, it, let's just get out of the way. It was a, it was a port. Uh, it was a port that was really, wasn't ported over very well. I kept on saying port too much, but it was a, originally released for the consoles, and then they decided to uh, bring it over to the PCs, and just, it really wasn't well optimized for the PC, especially for, uh, mouse and keyboard inputs and so some intrepid modder has decided to make a mod for it that allows it to be a lot better now there are some problems with it it's in its beta format right now but it's called dark souls mouse fix and it fixes a lot of things that there was problems with in the original and so if you still want to play the original this is probably the best way of doing it but i want to stress that there are problems with it so don't be like, ah, why is this not working perfectly? Because it's in beta, and it's actually beta. Because sometimes companies go beta, and it's like, it's not, that's not a beta. That's just a demo, glorified demo. Moving on to uh, G.Skills. So it's, if you don't know, it's a company that does make some uh, RAM and other things as well. But they're actually going to be making RAM specifically for the Ryzen uh, CPUs, and they got some out right now called the Flare and the uh, Fortis memory, um, which are going to be great. Uh, so the Fortis is going to be doing a, um, for frequencies, uh, 2133 and the 2400, and then the Flare X is going to have those two, plus 3200 and the 346600, um, different types of variants. Uh, 3200 is going to have 8 uh, gigabytes. 8 gigabytes uh, x2, 8 gigabytes x4, and 16 gigabytes x4. The only one that doesn't have the 16 gigabyte one is the 3466. Um, there's no pricing for it right now, but it should be interesting to see how that's going to do. Um, it's good to see that they have 2400 MHS capabilities for the 8 to 64 gigs uh, as well, but they also have 3200 variants for that. Um, and 3466 without the 16 gigs or 64 gigs times four. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm glad to see that other makers are actually building it specifically for the Ryzen. People are saying that Ryzen isn't going to go anywhere. We'll just look at them. We'll look at what they're making out for it, and it should be interesting to see uh, where it goes from here on out. Because I mean, this is still new. It just came out this week. But I see a bright future for these chips in general. 
All right. Also, there was news about Borderlands. So Randy Pitchford, the CEO of Gearbox, came out and said, "Look, at this is not a this is a tech demo. This is not a demo for gameplay, but it did show some interesting little tidbits about what they're doing with this technology demonstration for um, for uh, Borderlands World specifically. They didn't say Borderlands Three. They used the Unreal Engine. They said the different types of technologies, and there were several different types of technology that they're using to bring about a little bit more of a more realistic, I guess you could say. Um, and he did stress that uh, Borderlands is not a cell shade. Uh, type of technology they're using. It's a different one. Um, it's more about outlines of the structures and using those to an extent of the structures in general. But they did show a bunch of different tech uh, in it, and it did look very amazing, interesting, and great. Just wish that they would just announce that they're making it. They haven't. They said it will announce it something soon, whichever. What I don't know what that means, but it means something. All right, moving on to Mirage Arcane Warfare. Is going to be coming with the closed beta later this month. That's right. Um, it will also include pre-orders, which is great. Um, this is by the makers of Chivalry, but they usually say this is Chivalry, but with magic. So it should be interesting to see how well this plays out. And it's going to go up against For Honor in a little bit different of ways. Uh, but for, since For Honor has been out for a while, and my my review's kind of been like, eh, it's oh, it's okay. Um, but there's going to be different types of modes. There's going to be team objectives, point capture, and capture the flag. Um, also built-in matchmaking systems as well. And classic server browser, thank God, because it's a bigger problem with For Honor. I do not like peer-to-peer -peer servers. I like the way they're doing it with this, because this should be um, this should be great. Uh, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited for it. I'm hoping it comes out soon, sooner rather than later, because I heard it last year in E3, and I haven't heard too much about what's going on with it beyond that, so it's good to see that at least the close bay is coming out soon for that. Yay! More games coming out. We all like that. Speaking of new games coming out, Fortnite is going to be coming out 2017. So it was released way back in 2011 to be kind of like a Team Fortress 2 meets base building type of format, and, well, we didn't really hear much about it because, well, Epic has changed in a lot of different ways. Um, so there is that. Um, I played the alpha, really wasn't that impressed with it. It was kind of like, eh. It was kind of like a very loot-grabbing. I, I didn't expect it to be what it was. I thought it was going to be a little bit different than what it was, but eh, that wasn't the case. Uh, but it was originally supposed to be released in summer of 2015, which was completely missed, but you'll be able to finally, um, finally see it out in the wild and see if it actually will be any good or not or not at all but I I just I really don't recommend it because I just didn't really think it was that fun uh, in general but I'm not saying that you won't have fun I just didn't really have much fun with it I played it for a little bit and I was like eh it's alright alright Windows or Microsoft Creator Update they're actually going to allow for well, more privacy controls over your system, and that will allow you to um, do different things like uh, pick which time you want for the updates. So you don't have to do updates; you just you can do instead of 12 hours, 18 hours, um, and other types of controls to allow for greater um, customi customizability for that. Um, I do like that they added the 18-hour. Uh, extension for that as well because people just don't just do 12 hours sometimes we 
game a lot or are working on other things. But it's good to see that they're adding this as well because people have been moaning and complaining about this in general, and I like to see that they're actually listening to people and doing better things about it. People still bemoan Cortana, but I don't really care about that too much because seriously, whatever. Alright, moving on to something that I didn't really know about until today, but I mean, it's sad. So, there was a game, and I played this when I was a wee little lad. It was an Indiana Jones game, um, and The Fate of Atlantis was um, was the game that I played. It was in the heyday of uh, of point and, or adventure games, with the point-and-click ones especially, and some uh, well, modders or developers uh, decided to do a remake about it, and it looks actually really awesome and really great. Well, not so much, because Lucasfilm has decided to send out a, a cease and desist order or politely ask to stop development on it. Now, the developer has said that we are going to try and um, work with them to do it. I really hope they do. There is a demo, and the demo is going to be brought down in a couple days, March 5th to be exact. So I will put the link in the show notes for you to figure out uh, where to download it, because if you, if you should download it. It's a really fun game, and... Oh, I'm just sad about it. I was really looking forward to it. The funny thing is they weren't going to make any money. I get the cease and desist and they're trying just to protect their IP, but I mean, you could work with them and be like, okay, since you're doing a remake of a game that's 20 years old, mind you, uh, why not? Why not uh, help us? Why not, you know, do an already old game that we don't really sell too much anymore or sell very many copies of anymore and kind of uh, bring back kind of the nostalgia of it because... There's not been an Indiana Jones game since the 90s. It's been quite a while. I've missed the Indiana Jones games. There are about two of them, or maybe three, in the 90s, and they're all point-and-click uh, point adventure games. Um, and then Uncharted kind of took over that type of realm and Tomb Raider as well. But uh, I, I kind of I miss them, and it's, it's sad to see it. I do hope that their proposal that they've said they sent the Lucasfilm will actually go through, and they'll still be able to make it. But yes, you want to download the demo, you have until Sunday to download it. Alright, so there was a oops leak from Target about Middle-Earth Shadow of War, the um, sequel to the Middle-Earth um, game that came out a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, Shadows of Mordor, that one. Uh, but um, there is some more interesting news about it. And so there will be official uh, gameplay video March 8th, so you're going to have to wait about five days for that. But the minimum system requirements is Windows 7 Service Pack 1, uh, also the Intel i5-2550 uh, memory is 8 gigs, gigs of RAM, graphics is the GTX 60, uh, 670 or the Radeon HD 7950, GTX 11, and 60 gigs of storage space, and the recommended is Windows 10 version uh, 14.393.0. Dot one zero two or higher might be after the anniversary pack. Uh, the Intel i7-3770 um, and then 16 gigs of RAM and the GTX 970 or 1060 or the 290X or the 480 and DirectX 11 and then it's all the same. But uh, I am super, super excited about this. I'm waiting to see what they're going to do with the Nemesis system and how they're going to um, add to that or uh, enhance that version as well. I loved the first one. I thought it was a great um, showing of 
Lord of the Rings, the Middle Earth uh, add-on to it as well, because we aren't going to get any more movies. I don't think they're going to make this uh, Similarian. I don't think they're going to do that. It's going to be a little bit difficult to actually make. Uh, but it's good to see that. It's good to kind of see a precursor to uh, the original trilogy, and to see if the second one will be just as good or better than the first one. My bet is are hoping it's going to be better than the first one. The first one was really good. Still play on occasions every once in a while. But moving on to Twitch. So Twitch has decided to do a buy now button with streamers to get people to buy it and actually get a cut from streamers as well. Um, it should be interesting to see how well this will work out or will work out uh, well. It, it will work out it, at all. I don't know why I can get those words out. Uh, but um, it should be, it's a great way for getting streamers to have a different type of revenue stream through this as well because I mean it's, it's not very profitable um, to do streaming services or to stream games as it used to be uh, but their launch partners are going to be Raw Fury, Ubisoft, Tiny Build, Extreme uh, Digital Extremes, Telltale Games, Bit Studios, Blue Mammoth Games, Campo Santo develop, uh, Developer Digital, Fredwood, uh, Gambitious, Hi-Res Studios, Ink Stories, Jackbox Games, Paradox, uh, Proletariat, uh, vers Versus Evil, Tron Worlds, Volambier, and Double Fine. Um, the two notable missing, but there's a other notable missings is uh, Valve and uh, Riot Games, but also EA's not on there as, as well. Um, Activision's not on there. Blizzard's not on there. Um, there's a few other ones that aren't on there, but should be interesting to see if this will actually do well, or if not, if it won't do well at all. We will see on that, but I think this is actually a good way to, you know, support your favorite streamer as well by buying the game, because they get 5% of the cut at the same time. I do like that they're actually giving the cut as well, but we will see, um, we'll see if this actually works out or not, or if actually people will buy it through Steam. You might not want to buy it, you might think it's kind of a uh, selly, but, I mean, We'll see. If it's your favorite streamer, it's your favorite streamer. Who should really care about that? All right, there was a new talk by Sean Murray, and that's the guy, or that's the head guy from the Hello Games at Great No Man's Skies. And he kind of talked about uh, the procedure way of making the game and how the development cycle was like a rocket ship to the sun. And, you know, I feel bad for him. I think, for the most part, no Man's Skies is a pretty technological jump for it. It's a pretty interesting way of doing it. They totally misguided on how many players were going to be playing it and completely went way, 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 way low, which actually a book I'm reading is saying that that, that does happen to people where they will um, project too low when they should. Um, but they were trying to do their best to try to test the game out as best as they could, and they just did not do it the right way. But the good news is that they're actually doing... Uh, they actually want to do experimental things as well, and um, they're still developing for No Man's Skies, no matter how well people hate it or dislike it. They're still developing for it. I say kudos to them. Regardless of bad press, make it the best game you can through long development cycles if you need to do that. I don't mind the game. I think it's a great game. If you just want to game by yourself and you don't want to be around anybody except AI and build your own stuff and just fly around and do whatever you want, I think it's actually fun. I think that could be fun. Could be cathartic, could de-stress you. You never really know, but um, it is what it is. It's good to see that they're doing experimental things, and they've actually learned from their mistakes. It seems like as well. I'm always about giving redemption when it's needed, and it might be a time to give it to them. I mean, 
it is what it is. Anyways, moving on to an interesting talk about Resident Evil 7. So there's an interesting tidbit about... So in the beginning of the game, there's a scene where your hand gets cut off. Well, apparently one of the guys was like, hey, we should have the torso cut off. I was like, ooh, that seems a little too much for me. But it was an interesting way of evolution of it and how they got about developing this. So they actually went to like an off-beaten haunted house in Louisiana to get kind of uh, inspirations from it as well. Also, all the bad guys, and I kind of noticed this a little bit after reading something about it, was kind of tailored after different uh, classic horror villains, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. It did, um, it did break some gameplay design uh, mantras, but I was fine with it. I actually picked up what you were supposed to do quite easily and figured out it, figured out a way of defeating the people anyways. So I didn't mind that it did that and made me kind of think about it. I think that's great that the game actually treated you like a normal adult and made you say, hey, think about a way of uh, overcoming this idiot. Uh, or that's how I think about it. But it was interesting to see how all the scenes came about and how they were going to actually make this game and the, they were given a lot of leeway, it's just that they could have no delays. Um, did it sell as well as Resident Evil 6? I don't think so, but it was a, it was critically received, and I really liked the game. I thought it was a great game. I liked that they, it was just a single player and they focused on it. I liked that they said that they were not going to reference anything from the other games. It was going to be its own standalone games. And that they did reference one character from the original games, but in a new light as well, especially with Umbrella being in a, in a different light too. Um, I thought in general this was a very good uh, reintroduction to Resident Evil 7 and back to its old roots with a different twist like first person shooter instead of third person shooter. I thought that was great. But yeah, it was interesting to see the, uh, how they were going to be even more gruesome and I'm glad they said no to that because I was kind of like, uh, the hand cutoff scene was pretty gruesome in general I'm glad to see that you kind of tailored it down and didn't go full extreme. But moving on to Gaming deals for this week. So Green Man Gaming actually has Middle Earth Shadow of War on sale for 15% off. So pick that up. I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, it's coming out in August. Uh, so in a few in a few months. Price on sale as well is 15% off. That comes out in May. Uh, you also have Mass Effect Drama, which comes out this month uh, for 20% off as well. You also have on. Uh, GOG, you also have Boulder's Gate and a whole bunch of classic ones on up to 80% off, so go check that out. And on Steam, you have Fable Anniversary, which is Fable, the original one, is awesome for under 10 bucks. You have the Far Cry series, Far Cry Primal, 4, 3, 2, and 1, all under $30, the, the varying different prices. Uh, Seven Ways to Die is 10 bucks. So you have great many different types of games to actually get. And so check all those out. And that is the end of Gamers Cafe. And hope you guys enjoyed it. And join me uh, on a Tuesday morning when I go through marketing and morning marketing. And as always, guys, be sure to follow Digital Coffee on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, High Heart Radio, and TuneIn. And to follow Digital Coffee on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitch, YouTube Gaming, Player.me, Minds, Gab.ai, and many, many more. And also pick up a t-shirt from Digital Coffee Podcast Store. I got some great coffee mugs and t-shirts. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. Game on and see you on Tuesday. Later. <laughs>